0: I guess to start, I'd have to go back to like when I was a little kid. I've always grown up around food. My mother being Trinidadian and just those different flavors, going to my grandmother's house and just eating that cultural food. You know, going to the West Indian parades during the summer and always sampling the sugar cane, having roti, curry goat. I mean, those are foods that, you know, connected me to it. But even more so when I was a little kid, my brother and I, we would you know we'd have our food or whatever. It'd be like mashed potatoes, chicken, like some corn or whatever. And I've always been somewhat of an entertainer, so we would play. Cook, you know, it'd be like Trevor's Home Cooking Show, and you know, I was five, so you know, I'm mixing, uh, you know, corn up potatoes, and I think that I'm cooking, right? Um, but as I got older, you know, with between my mom and my dad and like my grandmothers and everything else, you know, I learned how to cook some basic meals, you know, some, some, some things like that. Um, so that was, I guess, kind of the start of it, just growing up in and around food. I was confident when I went to college because by the time I went to college, I was one of the few guys in my group that, that knew how to cook and feed for himself. Especially when it came to breakfast, I really loved that. But with some of my roommates too, you know, I always, I love just cooking and sharing food with people and you know, the smile on their face and their surprise that like, oh man, you made something that tastes this good. It it just always made me feel good to share that with people. And you know, anytime I was talking to anybody that was like cooking, just just tell me about all, all your tips and tricks.
1: That was Restaurant General Manager, Trevor St. Pierre, with his story about falling in love with food and the industry. Today, we talk about the restaurant industry as an industry of passion and the impact that it has on both our personal and professional lives on the first episode of Knives Out. So, this is Nolan. This is kevin so uh, that first clip was from a guy named Trevor St. Pierre, who was a general manager under me for a number of years trevor was was just one of those people who had a natural talent for the industry you know you couldn 't even you couldn 't put your finger on why he was good, but he was just a natural leader of people, and you know everyone gravitated towards him, and to watch him grow from somebody who really had no experience in the restaurant industry to a general manager was just really impressive to watch. And one of those things that, you know, really keeps me grounded in the industry. It's the thing that is my passion is, you know, above and beyond anything else, developing people and, you know, watching people grow. Um, You know, someone – and, and I can't remember who, and I wish I could, uh, said something recently that I really liked, that the restaurant industry is one of the few industries where you could take ordinary people who might not make it anywhere else and turn them absolutely into superheroes. And while Trevor is the type of person who would make it at anything he applied himself to, it really is true. And that's something that, uh, that I love about this business. And you know, we're going we're to kind of deep dive into that today.
2: Well yeah, I think it's um one of the most gratifying things uh that anybody in really in any industry, but for some reason it seems to be very prevalent in the restaurant industry is um having that that recognition from those people that go on to do different things, whether they grow in the industry itself or they take what they learned from here yeah. and move it on to what they're doing outside of this right right? and to whether they
1: grow under you or they go on to a different avenue in the industry or even if they leave the industry and take what they learned yeah,
2: there's a there's there they they attribute some of that like that 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 aha moment of their growth all them connecting all the dots and being able to say i can do this i can be successful in this right I, i can i i understand this and now i i didn't realize it but i i love this agreed and having that like that that mentorship or that recognition back to back to you, back to me, like that's one of the that's that's the the hole in one golf shop that you, you you strive for and you get one out of every hundred or five hundred sure. people. Um, you know, we had it with Chris Brown, some guy who um really came into us with no desire whatsoever to really do anything, but he yeah. just needed a paycheck. Just wanted to be a line cook. But we saw something in him that he didn't recognize in himself immediately, and within three months he was the AM of a, a brand new location yeah, for within for a the year, concept. general manager, and, yeah, you know, a, a goddamn good one at that. And he cares, and and I still I keep in touch with him still, and. Um, it, it's just it's one of the greatest feelings and one of the reasons like so the idea of taking passion from where we started that's the now passion
1: right right so let's bounce back to Trevor and hear from him about how he got started and fell into
0: the business so I ended up working at a local Five Guys restaurant and it was fun man like they set me on the fry station and that was cool but I'm very talkative, (laughs) and I just love interacting with people. So after a while, my boss at the time was like, "Well, what if we take Trevor off of the fry station?" That was like the best decision ever because they just told me be as personable as you can. You know, I really took that customer service, which after I met Nolan, I learned it's guest engagement. Really, what I wanted to be doing took that to a whole other level. But you know, I just wanted to do everything and I made sure that I got trained on everything so a lot like Chris
1: you know Trevor fell into it he wasn't looking for a career in the restaurant business it was just here it is here's it was a out job. of necessity out of necessity yeah I mean it wasn't entirely dissimilar for me would how about you yeah no my my story follows Trevor
2: in, in a lot of ways there's a lot of parallels. Um I had exposure, you know, to cooking and just being present in a kitchen Um, early on in my childhood, going over to my grandmother's house and, um, you know, she would sit at this table in the corner in the kitchen with her little espresso and it would always have something cooking on the stove and, um, you know, being in the kitchen with my mother. And then, you know, going after high school, I I worked in a lot of retail um, positions. Right after high school, I started getting into the food and beverage industry, working at restaurants. Sure. Uh, I've dabbled a little bit in back of the house. I did bar. I was out from my retail background. I I was on the floor a lot. Right. Um, and I started to I started to unknowingly pick up a lot of information. Um, I showed that I already had experience in, in, in back of house. I was able to do things immediately, learn quickly on on the line. So, so I would get promoted to other positions very quickly. Um, I was able to learn the bar really fast because it was just essentially production mixed in with a little bit of showmanship and and front of house. And, you know, I, I, I worked through the industry that way for a pretty long time. Yeah. But then I came across a chef. Now I, I had some I had some mentors and people who who guided me and showed me some things in the retail industry for a couple of years here and there. But it wasn't really until I worked with this one chef that he like like us with Chris and you with Trevor. He saw something in me, and he took the time to pull me aside and show me things that. Nobody else was taking the time to do. Right. And things started to click. A lot of pieces started to fit together. And I started to realize all those experiences that I had going all the way back to the time I spent in the kitchen with my grandmother. um, And and they all just pulled together. And, And it was at that point that I discovered, hey, I got this passion for it. And then... That's when I really dove deep and saying I want to learn everything. So just yeah. like Trezor, Trevor was saying, show me everything. Show me about this position. When you when you get that click in your head, you want to learn everything. Yeah, I did everything for. I I spent extra shifts doing dishwasher. I bus. I I all the jobs that you you thought were stupid and below you because you were just yeah. a. a I dove so far into every single one of them because it, it, it just became a home to me. I, right. I discovered this is where I belong in, a, in some way. Right. Um, it started out as a job as a necessity. I needed a job. It was easy to wait tables. And then I had a mentor that was able to show me what I didn't discover in myself. And it was sky's the limit from there.
1: Right. How about you? Well, you know, I... I Worked in local restaurants growing up, just because it's where you worked, right? Like in yeah. the neighborhood I grew up in, it's where you worked. So I I grew up in an area that went through a lot of social, economic, and class changes over the course of time that that I lived there. Um, but it was considered the restaurant district of the city that I grew up in, and you know all the kids, if you if you worked. You were waiting tables, you were busing, you were Mm. running food, you were dishwashing. So I did that. Um, But it's not steady. You know, they have like 100 kids working in the restaurant. and Most of them are hiring their family members and the cousins and and whatnot. So you got to find something else. So I went and worked at this retail place for a little bit. And I worked at a barbershop sweeping up hair. And, you know, um, Wegmans opened. They they started building this location when I was fifteen in Princeton, New Jersey, and uh, we know what it was. They were just building this giant new shopping center, and and you know now like now it's a. It's, 20 year old shopping center 20 plus year old but at the time it was the newest thing going on and we know what was going in and uh, and Wegmans was still an unknown name at that point. You know, not area. unknown but certainly unknown in the unknown area. In I mean, the area. Yeah. yeah, nobody around here knew what they were. Yeah, we were still in New York
2: shooting on Gennardis and Superfresh.
1: Right, yeah, Acme and right. you know, Acme <laughs> ShopRite. Um but <laughs> so Wegmans came to town, and I applied there, and I was hired there to be a baker. And I, you know, I looked a little older than I was, and uh, they hired me to be a baker. And I started training, and really, like my motivation was, you know, minimum wage at the time was five twenty five, so I was working a job making five twenty five an hour, and Wegmans was starting at eight. That was it. It was mm. the only reason I went for a job there. I was like, well, I've worked in, with food before; I can do this. You know, how hard can a grocery store be? Not knowing what I'm getting into because, you know, to me, a grocery store was stocking shelves and the cash register and, and what else is there because there's nothing to it. You know, not really understanding that Wegmans was like a legitimate culinary experience. So I got hired to work in the bakery there and, you know, I, I would meet them and they would – I would I, I would take the bus from Trenton where I grew up to Princeton to take another bus from Princeton to Scranton, Pennsylvania, and Wilkesbury, uh, and Allentown, and Bethlehem, to train at those stores in the bakery department, and I got trained as a bread baker, um, which I I loved. You must know. have
2: gone through your head when they first told you, "Hey, you've got to go like you know hours north just to train how to bake." You must have thought, "Been like you're out of your mind." I mean, I'll no, do I was it, I but. was like,
1: "Cool, whatever," you oh, know. Really? Didn't yeah, yeah, it didn't do. I would have been like, me, this, yeah.
2: is a, "This is this is what you thought the job was." Versus, it was not what I thought it. Yeah, well, that's it what it was say, like. Right. You thought it was going to be this simple. I walk in, I make eight, whatever. Yeah, I thought
1: working in the bakery was taking bread out of a bag and right. putting it on a shelf, or you know, bread out of a bread in a bag out of a box, putting it on a shelf. And uh, unbeknownst to me, I was being trained to be a professional baker. Yeah. Um, and I was good at it because I be I was good at it because I loved it because it was so much fun. You know, I just I was good at it because I enjoyed the job sure if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't have been good at it. There's also something to be said about
2: not realizing that level of uh, responsibility, right? Right. So you're young, you're thinking you're just going to go in and and literally, like you said, take bread out of a bag and put it on a shelf. But then somebody sees something in you and thinks this person can actually hold this level of responsibility and be this creative person that warrants our brand. Right. That's... That actually is very exciting. Yeah. There, there's
1: something to that. Yeah. So what, what happened was when I got back to my home location, they realized I wasn't 18. And they pulled me aside and they said, You you can't do this job. I was like, What are you talking about? You trained me <laughs> right. to do this job. So like, you can't you can't use the oven. You can't use a mixer. You're a minor. I was like, Well, I've just been I just spent six weeks using a mixer in an oven. What are you talking about? Um and I knew how to bake, so I, I didn't get it, you know, but it's fine. Um, but what you could do when you were a minor was, you, although you weren't allowed to use the oven or the mixer because, you know, God forbid you get your hands right. raw in a mixer yeah. or burn on the oven, you know, you don't, you don't want to deal with the parents. Um, what you could do was work in the pastry department. And Wegman's pastry consultant at the time was, of all people, Pierre Hermé. So I learned pastry at 17 years old from Pierre Hermé, which I, I mean, how many people in the world can right. say that they learned pastry from Pierre Hermé? Let alone, sure, you know, literally learned from someone who's considered to be the greatest pâtissière in the world. Um, so I did that, and I worked in pastry, and then I moved back over to bread when I was. Eighteen, and I uh, I got involved in a program that Wegmans had called Management Internship, and I spent a year as an intern until I was given a department, and I oversaw bakery production within the department as what they called their category category leader. Um, And, you know, from there, it was just, it was off to the races. I moved over to prepare foods. I became a chef in the prepared foods department. And then I got scouted right out of my home location to a, uh, to another restaurant company that was moving into the area and recruited me right out of my store. And, you know, so began the progression to general manager and multi-unit manager. And, you know, eventually vice president of a restaurant company and, uh, all just because I was in the right place at the right time and happened to love the job that they taught me.
2: I think that's really interesting and 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 actually unique to be able to have that that moment, right? Yeah. happen so quickly. You know, I I I think I think I can confidently say that most people who get in the restaurant industry stories follow probably a little bit more like mine and Trevor's where Sure. You know, we, we get into it out of the necessity, right, of a job, which is something that you did as well. Yeah. But time does evolve, right? Trevor worked at one job, they moved him around, and then it wasn't until they connected him to you and Matt at the other job, at the other business, yeah, that it really started to come together for him. Me, I worked at a slew of different restaurants, a lot of full service, all full service, right. Um, you know, and and again, yeah, I moved up in different positions, and I and I and I worked in a lot of areas, but nothing really was understood to me until I had hit that sure. mark with that guy. So I think there, there's actually something really intriguing about that that you were able to. You know, to-
1: I I can say that I did have a similar experience there, though, because while I was at Wegman's, like, yeah, I did the bakery thing, I did the Pierre Hermé thing, um, but it really was one individual who, till this day, you know, if I'm being honest, I owe my entire career to one person. I've had a series of mentors, a series of people who taught me more than I could possibly explain. Um, I don't recognize, I I don't not recognize how lucky I am. Right? Sure. sure, You know, I'm extremely lucky to have found something that I'm good at and that I'm passionate about. And, there have been four or five really key people. You know, I I am very good at what I do. I've been extremely successful at what I do. Um, but I absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, stand on the shoulders of giants. I have been fortunate enough to work for, in various capacities, some of the absolute best people in the industry whether I've liked them or not, that is the <laughs> reality. Yeah. You know, I worked yeah. I worked side by side with Danny Wegman. I worked side by side with Ron Shake. I worked side by side with Pierre Hermé, with Bobby Flay. And and I'm fortunate to have those experiences. Mm-hmm. I didn't love all those people. Um Right, right. You know, definitely liked some of them way more than <laughs> others. Right. Yeah. But having said that, I I recognize how fortunate I am. And even from those negative experiences, I still learned a lot that well, I shouldn't say those negative experiences, even those experiences which were negative, I still learned a lot and took a lot away. But I definitely stand on the shoulders of giants. But if I could narrow it down, you know, there is absolutely one person, Rob Murphy, who taught me at Wegmans and really took me under his wing Mm -hmm. and you know, just came to me and said himself, who himself was taught by Wendy Bjorn from Metropolitan Bakery. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my bakery lineage is, you know, I'm an indirect descendant of, of Metropolitan Bakery Mm -hmm. by way of Wegmans Bakery, because this guy, Rob, who grew up in a similar manner to me, fell into the industry, fell in love with the industry and found a path for himself. Saw that in me and took the time to pull me aside and said, Look, man, you can do something with this. You're good at this. You have a future here. Let me show you this stuff. Took me under his wing, developed me into a rock solid baker and then, you know, a a production specialist. And within a matter of months i'm i'm running the entire bakery department it's something that i just never even thought i would be able to do my i thought i was going to go to art school and you know become a designer and do product design and development for other people and uh you know had i not interacted with rob i might be i might be in the restaurant industry but certainly not in the capacity i was i'd be in the restaurant industry because it would be what I had fallen into when I graduated with a degree that didn't exactly <laughs> get me a job. Yeah. Um, but, you know, luckily I I met that person who was an immediate impact on the entire direction of my life from that point forward. And, you know, everything that I have achieved beyond working for Rob, I achieved because I worked for Rob. Sure. And, and that was the single definitive point of my career above and beyond any other experience I had, you know, at 17 years old. And if I may suggest
2: that it's only been topped now by the idea that those that you've mentored are standing on your shoulders and now continuing that line – again, whether it's in the industry or something, (laughs) right. Right. That's, you know, it, it, everybody can trace back to, to, uh, to someone and that, that's in all industries. But again, there is something very, uh, to me, uh, very specific about the food and beverage of restaurant industry. You know, I, I've, I've worked in retail in a lot of capacities as well, right? I've spent time with brands like, uh, Citizens Bank, um, uh, Macy's East. I've, you know worked with uh worked at timberland i've i've worked uh with uh goods and services type retail as well yeah mixed in there and um you know you you've got you've got connections you've got networking you've got relationships in yeah. that business but you don't have mentors at least to the same capacity right right um you know i i think uh, it's really interesting. Like, it takes the right person to recognize your potential and mentor you. And you don't really hear someone talk about this, talk about it in the same way in like insurance, right? Sure, you know, like sure. you know, you'll, you'll see an insurance salesman saying, "Well, if this guy didn't pull me under his wing, and so, you you get a job in insurance out of necessity, right?" right? And then sales you just or sales, grow. it doesn't matter sales if you're sales. selling
1: meat or insurance or cars. Right. You know, retail is retail. Yeah. Granted some retailers are way better than others because they deliver a better a better guest experience. Totally. totally. But and that is a part of sales it.
2: Sales are sales. But the industry about as far as like discovering that passion. You don't hear somebody talking about a passion for insurance yeah. and having that uncovered in them by a, it's this artistic side, this this creative side and having that immediate recognition and having that, you know, that trace back to familial you know, uh, uh, foundations.
1: Yeah. Our industry is really unique. Our industry is unique in a way where it provides the opportunity to develop people in a way that other industries just don't. And, you know, we're, we're not singular in that sense, but we are unique. There's only a handful that do that. But speaking of that path of development, let's bounce back to Trevor and hear a little bit
0: about his. Moved out to New York and I just started looking for work. So it was getting crazy, you know, I started getting desperate. Like, hey, I need a job, so I I called home. And the franchise owner of Five Guys called the franchise, or or the owner rather, of this place called The Taco Truck. This restaurant was located in Hoboken, New Jersey. Which was, it was a little bit of a trap for me to get there. But either way, you know, I decided, let's go. You know, I really just wanted to be a part of what was going on at the taco truck at the time. Um, Because when I got there, it it was a family. People like, I mean, walking into that open kitchen and hearing music and watching this group of people just like sling tacos, (laughs) um, it was awesome. It looked like a lot of fun and I really wanted to be a part of that. They ended up putting me on the expo station and that was something that I felt really good about because I was like, oh man, I'm in this epicenter and I'm getting to communicate not only with the guests, but with everyone else behind me. And it was another thing of like allowing me to control that bottleneck. I wanted to make sure that we were all able to just keep moving, but I didn't want anybody to be overworked. Eventually, I was made a a shift manager, quote unquote general manager for their seasonal location in, in Manhattan. And right around that time, I think that's when I met Nolan, um, which Nolan came in and changed the game in such a great way because he provided us with structure and with some really cool methods of training. And then I got took under Nolan's wing a little bit, which was really awesome. Um, you know, I, to this day, I. I I don't know if no one knows it, but I joke about it all the time. You know, that dude's definitely a, a mentor of mine. Um, just for not only the things that he's taught me um, in the food industry, but just, just in life in general. But no one was the one that taught me not only of like, you know, this is how you manage people in the restaurant industry. This is how you lead people realistically. But Nolan taught me how to not only just read a profit and loss, but understand a profit and loss report. You no, know, I was taught how to to look at the report and see like hey when certain food costs are high well why you know and and how to dig into that and those were some challenges that I I kind of enjoyed Um, you know I really enjoyed sitting there being like why why is this cost so high because we should be so low and trying to investigate everything but I also really enjoyed leading a team and that was the thing that I enjoyed about Nolan's management style was that you know he was always telling us we we lead people we manage systems and that just rang really well with who I am at my core.
1: So Trevor says a lot there, and he's really complimentary, and that's uh, <laughs> that's flattering. But again, you know, it's your new rig tone, it should be yeah. Um, I- again, it's it's really like standing on the shoulders of giants, right? There's nothing that I taught him that I wasn't taught by someone else. Um, And specifically, you know, he says something that stands out to me because it's something that I say constantly. You know, you manage systems, you lead people. And that's an adaptation of something someone else once told me. And, you know, again, going back, uh, going back to... Rob Murphy at Wegmans, Rob used to say, anyone you need to manage is someone who shouldn't be on your team. And right. I, I just, I love that thought. And I've, I kind of, I've, I adapted it to you manage systems, you lead people because right, right. It, it comes across as cold. Anybody you need to manage is somebody you don't need to be on your team, but it which is, is it's, it is Which is very accurate. storied
2: for the time that he taught you, right? I mean, that was in the 90s, early 2000s?
1: Yeah, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, that, but that
2: was very apropos for the, that, that calloused directive.
1: But there is a reality the there, mindset, there, right? Is,
2: it, it clearly...
1: You know, the, yeah. when, when you pointed out that that sounds uh, harsh... He used to elaborate at that point. He would. It, it. It was almost something that was said because it. It begged the question. You were like, "Well, isn't that? Isn't that rough? Isn't that intense?" It was almost a way of him saying it and seeing who's listening. Exactly, and then you would ask, and he would explain. You know, the people on your team who want to be a part of your team will show you that they want to be a part. They don't sure. need to be managed, or more specifically, they don't need to be micromanaged because managed is. It's a tricky word, right? You know, you you can't really manage people. You manage a process. You teach people the right thing to do and then you manage the process. You manage the system. You manage the routine. You put the routine in place and then you allow the routine to perpetuate the success of the people. What you teach people is the routine. And um, people tend to think of development, of developing other people as as a soft skill. It's warm and fuzzy. It's esoteric. It's not clearly defined. But the reality, and Trevor points to it in his commentary, is what you are teaching them is the hard skills. He refers to being taught how to read and analyze a PL. and mm-hmm. l How, you know, and, and I'm sure till this day, I could hand Trevor a restaurant P&L for a restaurant that he's never been in. And... In an hour of digging through that P&L, he could identify the problems and issues going on yeah, in a restaurant sure. that he's never set foot in because he understands the numbers in depth. And that is teaching someone the hard skills. And when you teach them the hard skills, they are developing, they are progressing, progressing, they are deepening their knowledge, and that is their development. You know, the the only thing that is a soft skill that you can really teach someone else is how to develop other people. And even that is really just, it is a system. It's tell, show, do, review, repeat, retrain. Right, right. And, you know, it's, it's teach, trust, and verify. And, you know, teach, trust, and verify is a soft skill, but tell, show, do, review, retrain are hard skills. And even, even people development at that Their level. programs. Right. Even people development at that level is a system that you manage. So you manage the system, you lead the people. And when I would say, Rob, what do you mean anyone who you need to manage is someone who shouldn't be on your team? Well, if you need to manage them, they don't care because you should be managing the system. You should be managing the process. And the people should be motivated to do it because once you teach them and once they have the skills – they should become self-motivated and when they are self-motivated they begin managing the process for you and they begin delivering the results so i like that he said that because it's something that i was taught and you know i adapted the phrasing so that it's a uh, a little more digestible and processable and requires a little less explanation but i really do believe that you manage systems you lead people and going back to you know what you said about chris brown it really was the same thing. The same thing that happened when I worked for Rob, the same thing that happened when you worked for that chef that you spoke about is really the same thing that happened when I worked with Trevor, which is I see in him the ability more than anything else, the ability for him to to understand. Not even that, but to, but to coach others. Okay, you when know you
2: see the leader in them,
1: and exactly, yeah. and and the defining characteristic of somebody who you really see leadership skills in is somebody who is coachable, in and of themselves. Yeah, because the person who is not coachable, the person who thinks they have the answers already, they can't coach other people because it speaks some it speaks to something about their personality, right? Mm. You can't teach me. I know the answers is not someone who is going to coach someone else. It's someone who's going to manage someone else. It's someone who's going to tell the person what to do. This is how we do it. This is how I want it done. And there is a time and a place for that. Absolutely. Sure. But the person who directs rather than guides doesn't have the respect of the people who they are directing. And the person who guides rather than directs builds the trust and the respect of their team And creates a whole team where they're managing the process, but they are focusing on developing the individuals on that team. And the results just become a byproduct of the development of those people.
2: Yeah. And, and to, to piggyback onto that, um, for me, I, I, I recognize in my experience from both wanting to, you know, wanting to follow a leader or recognizing how, People, how I have led people the best, right, is that idea of lead from the front, lead by example. It's never been the people who got on the line with me necessarily during a shift, right? The lead by example are the ones who still, even though I hold them at a higher at a higher regard, and 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 I I'm in awe of their skills and and where they've gotten in their career and what they can show me. They still have a passion to continue learning the things that they don't know. Yes. And yeah. when I the, – the moments that I have discovered they that i They still I've recognize
1: people, that there are things that they don't know no matter how far they are in their yeah. career.
2: Yeah, and, and, and the points that I've recognized that I've gotten people, that I've gotten through to people are those moments where I – and it's it's not a humbling thing. It's not like I'm humbled by that. Although I I I am constantly humbled every time I come across somebody with talent, whether they're just starting out in the business or they've been in the business forever. I, I, right. I'm always humbled by somebody that that's that's new and really really talented at something. But the moments that I recognize, I catch that that I've that I've caught people right that 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 spark that I see in people right is. In times where I'm asking questions, where I'm saying, hey, this is something I'm really interested in. I'm interested in how we – let's try it. Let's give it a shot. Let's experiment it. Let's learn together at that point. You see that, oh, this person is or has been just like me in this moment. Right. And that's something that I saw in that chef that, caught my eye and and really took me under his wing right. and you know oh he taught me how to read a pnl he told me how to work with inventory and uh with vendors and invoices and there were times though that we were like in the office together and he's showing me he's showing me how to input the the information from the invoices into into their system and he's like hey you know what we got this thing by accident. Let's go and learn about this product. Let's go and learn about this thing. Right. And it was from that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, you're still learning too. And it it was experimental and it was fun. Right. And that's what clicked for me. Um, And so that's part of what, that that whole uh, showing how to comes into play. Right? You have your systems and you have, you, you manage those. But, Showing the people, teaching the people, leading the people—I think comes from that discovery. It comes from that um, asking questions yourself and showing that vulnerability in in your expertise.
1: Yeah, uh, I to really add some additional color to that. The company that I'm with right now, um, you know, I've I've worked for not a tremendous amount of companies, but certainly a well, handful. Well, it's the restaurant industry. Everybody's got at least yeah, 20 it's the restaurant industry. I don't know about twenty, but <laughs> exaggerated. But you get so, that. you know, definitely over twenty concepts for sure, but not right. twenty companies. Sure. Anyway, the the company that I work for right now, um, it's the most endearing thing about it to me is the owner of the organization, um, and it's a it's a fairly large organization to. Dramatically understated. Uh, It's a fairly large organization, and the person I work for is incredibly successful. His humility is such a giant piece of what keeps me motivated. He's never afraid to ask questions. He's never afraid to be wrong. An
2: antithesis
1: to the last, I would,
2: I should, I say at least the last two. Yeah. If not the last I mean, three quite honestly, the
1: antithesis for. to the majority of people in his position that I've encountered yeah. in the industry, but that constant humility, that constant, how can we do this better? What do you think we're doing wrong? That taking it for granted that he doesn't know all the answers. I mean, the level of motivation, honestly, that, 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 that gives me, Keeps me invested in a way that being part of a brand or a restaurant concept that I may like the concept a lot more just can't keep me keep me as yeah. invested. I mean, immediately prior to running this organization, I was running a, a national operations for a restaurant company that is a big name. A, you know, in a prestigious way, not in the size and scope of the organization, um, certainly not small, but in in terms of prestige and, you know, a name that you want on your resume, I, I was running a very prestigious company, um, but no humility, no, no willingness to learn and no willingness to look at what is being done wrong. Um, a lot of narcissism. Uh, it's one way to put it. Um, not you, them. Sure. Yeah. No, you know, really, really no willingness to look at the opportunities that exist with, within the organization itself. And, and I find that a lot, you know, when you bring on someone at, at your capacity or my capacity, typically that happens with an organization because, they recognize that there are opportunities, that opportunities exist. Yeah. That, you know, we're doing, we're operating, we're marketing, we're building a brand, we're building a restaurant organization, we're focused on service, we're focused on X, Y, and Z. But, you know, we're just we're not hitting the targets we need to hit in the way that we're we would like to hit them. We're not hitting our prime cost. We're not hitting our food. We're not hitting our labor. We're not knocking knocking it out of the field with the customers we're not you know we're not hitting the food quality that we want to hit we mm. need to improve our chefs we need to improve our service we need to improve our sales you know whatever the case may be and then someone like yourself or myself gets brought into that organization and it's like well what can we do different and you say well this is what you can do different mm. and instead of the humility of okay well let's explore what we can do what you definitely what you find very often is resistance very it, so. it's well that's my idea well i mean i didn't work here yesterday so mm. whose idea is it? it it's your organization right so they're your ideas um look you know i have a lot of confidence in my ability but unless you're willing to be wrong and willing to make concessions and make improvements you know you won't improve. There's, there's. I I forget who said it. Um, but somebody said to me a long time ago. If you have not considered the fact that you could be wrong, then you don't have a valid point of view. Your point of view is only valid if you have deeply considered the fact that it could be incorrect. And I just don't find that level of humility in a lot of people who own organizations. I shouldn't say who run organizations. You don't
2: find that level of humility in most positions, period. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, I mean, from from dishwasher through, you know, yeah, I mean,
1: know, you know owner-operator right. through VP of Ops through, right. you know, whatever.
2: But specifically ownership, you're right. It, that's, that's a very rare find.
1: It is, a lot of people get into the restaurant industry from an ownership perspective, you know, we, we talked about how people fall into it in normal circumstances. You know, I, you know, I fell into the industry in in production working in working in the kitchen working in the bakery and through a 20 plus year career I'm now the executive vice president of a national restaurant company. I still fell into it, mm-hmm. right? Sure. People people get into it from an ownership perspective, not always, but often people get into it from an ownership perspective because They want to own a restaurant. I was just about to. They have expendable cash,
2: and they want to say they want to bring people in and say, "Oh no, no, I'm part owner of this, or I own this. I own this
1: this place. This is mine." Sure, Um, but the lack of humility that comes with that is sometimes off-putting, and um, you know there there is just a reality where it's not. You know, it's it's a funny comparison. It, I don't intend it to be as humorous as it will be, but, you know, if, I guess everybody who's going to listen to this, because it's industry-specific, right? Right. Everyone has watched Ratatouille. And, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. there's that scene where Linguini walks into the restaurant, and I, I cannot remember the... Uh, is it a female lead if it's animated? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's a female lead if it's animated. But the the counterpart, you know, sure. the, the love interest is like there you go. You know, you Perfect. think you not think, of the rat, by the way. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah. You think cooking is fun? Like you think it's cute? Like mommy in the kitchen?
2: Yeah, it yeah, isn't
1: yeah. like that. And and there are so many people with expendable income. Or expendable money who get into this industry because it's like, well, I know to cook. I'm a good cook. You know, it's like Jimmy at the water cooler I, in the office is not a stand-up comic. He's just funny standing around the water cooler. Right. Billy at home, who's a great cook when he has friends over, is not a chef. And it's it's not the same. I worked same. with a very specific mom and
2: pop restaurant guy a few years back. And who had that same thing. And there was, there was an exotic nature from him because he was European. Sure. And, uh, he sold some people and now he actually did this in three different states and all three places failed. Uh, so it was kind of cyclical, but he would, he would go and get these people to invest in him because of his idea. He was very charismatic. He could sell ice to an Eskimo kind of guy. Uh, could do maybe like one or two dishes really decently. Like I, I those dishes he perfected. I'll say, yeah, once. yeah. Sold these people, but but then went in and the place would fall apart. And yeah, no. And that same passion, he wanted to say he owned a restaurant. He wanted to be that guy. He would walk around the dining room telling people, um, you know, hey, this is my place. Look how charismatic I am, and he would woo all the guests. Right. So after a while, they didn't even care that the food was garbage. Yeah. They just kept coming because it was that that relationship and they wanted to be friends with the owner. Well, that still didn't last that very long.
1: Well, even... even and it got to
2: a point real quick where he would actually go to those guests eventually because the place was losing money
1: and yeah. he would ask them if they wanted to invest in the restaurant. Yeah. That's, that's not something you can do. No. I mean, you see so many owners who hire people in a operations or marketing leadership capacity and they are offended by the fact that the person who they brought into that role wants to alter their plan. You know, they're seeking validation. Well, you're not going right. to make more money by seeking validation. You're going to make more money by running a business that that appeals to the clients and runs at a profit gain. You know, the amount of Italian restaurants that I've encountered where – the owner is djing on a thursday night and they're playing you know ED, right. edm music in the middle of their dining room by pressing play yeah right. while while they're serving peperadelli you <laughs> know and you and the demo of your of your restaurant is like 55 plus yeah and you're confused why you're losing sales and you're like well, I don't understand why I'm losing sales you know we have club music and well brother that's why you're losing sales right because you don't understand what your demographic is looking for and you're, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to impress them by being cool, but that's not what your restaurant is. Your restaurant isn't supposed to be cool. Your restaurant is supposed to be good. And those are not necessarily the same thing.
2: No. And, and I, and I love that you're, you're now steering into that direction because that's, that's the next, that's the next, uh, um uh, that's the next maturation of this or evolution. That's the next evolution of this conversation, right? Sure. Taking passion, getting involved, recognizing that passion, getting involved in the industry, right? In 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 whatever area it is. Yes. Uh, production, ownership, etc. Taking a passion, translating that into success, into 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 yes. a business. You know, and, and coming there's 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 a ton of examples of people who came up in the industry from that passion, maybe didn't start as an investor to say I own a restaurant, maybe came up in the industry and opened something, but at the same time also didn't have that that acumen, that business training, that that yes. mentorship yeah. in order to still maintain and, and grow that passion, right? And so in both scenarios, a similar thing occurs where yeah. they end up overcompensating. And then starting to get lost and cut in areas that they shouldn't cut, and right. start to play EDM music at six PM right. when the dinner isn't even stopped. You know, and 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 you've got a, a fifty-plus crowd not knowing what to do. Right, right, yes. Um. So then you then then you take it to the other side of the of of the industry where it's the and I hate to use these words because they denote negativity, but. The callous, very operationally focused, structured, systematic business yeah. of restaurants—the chain—which is well, no, I mean that—that that can you can even have independents that that work that way, but they're where, few and far between. But it takes, but there's a, there's a passion that takes. Well, the the, the the places that are fledging, they try right. to go that direction, right? right? Because they're overcompensating, right? So, in in either direction, though. There's no like you don't describe a passion in a PL,
1: right? Right, your PL and, should be a byproduct of the passion you bring to the table, right? If you do it right, and you know, you said a minute ago that's really like the next maturation of the conversation, but in a lot of ways, it isn't, it's really the bringing it full circle because the full circle piece is by focusing on what you do well, by doing that well by being passionate about it and focusing on developing the people who work for you and teaching them, bringing them under your wing and showing them how to do those things well, you will inevitably draw your target demo. You will inevitably put out a good product. You will inevitably grow your sales and manage your controllables because when people know the right thing to do and want to do it because they care, because you've taken the time to impart your vision and your passion into those people, then your successful restaurant, your successful district of restaurants, your successful anything 60-unit restaurant organization yeah. is a byproduct of investing the time, effort, and energy into developing those people – on a concept that you're passionate about.
0: Whenever I hired someone on that unit, I told them like there's there's two rules that I have, you know, like you, you have to you have to work hard and you have to have as much fun as you're working. You know, I wanted to make sure that we were enjoying ourselves because it's the middle of the summer, it's it's you know, it's a very famous park, there's a bunch of different people and we just wanted to have fun. Did And it was, it was so, it's just a memory that it's, it's going to live there. That that's another type of family, um, you know? And that's, that's what I got at the top of truck. I had a family there former assistant managers of mine now have families of their own. And, you know, they still reach out to me. And so it's just, it, it was, it was truly a family.
1: So as we talk about, you know, all the things that we talked about today, and there's there's so much more we could go into and you know that's why we're launching a podcast about yeah. it right because yeah. there's there's a lot of stuff to talk about but as we talk about managed systems and lead people you know Trevor goes back to this point where he's like I I require my people to have fun and you know that that brings us to a topic that I'm sure we're going to get very in depth on probably on many episodes. (laughs) Yeah. But it is, it is culture and it is an industry of culture and you have to have the right people. And you know, when we circle back to, if you have people that you need to manage, you have the wrong people, people that want to be there, people that enjoy the experience are not people you have to manage. And those are the ones that are successful. And those are the ones that, you know, create outstanding results as a byproduct of loving what they do. And that really does bring what we were talking about and kind of this episode full circle, right? Right, Because it is an industry of passion, you know? And Trevor gave us a very long interview, and there were a lot of parts that didn't make it to this show because Trevor's verbose. (laughs) Um,
2: Well, we'll we'll hear of him again. Yeah, we'll definitely hear from Trevor again. We're definitely going to get more from him.
1: One of the things that he says that, you know that Hopefully I maybe
2: one day have him here.
1: Right. You know. one of the things that he says that, that didn't make the episode in a clip, but that I really like is he touches on just you know, you can hire someone, you could teach him to use a knife, you could teach him to run the grill, you can teach him the recipes, but can you teach him to be the kind of person that you want to stand next to for 12 hours in a hot kitchen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's something you have to come to the table with. And um, the reality is, the person that you want to stand next to in a hot kitchen for twelve hours is the person who loves what they do. And and it is an industry of passion. And you know, we're we're a rare breed. You know,
2: uh, v- very much so. I um,
1: think, and I'm not saying that in a boastful way. You know, the the restaurant person is a unique individual. You know, last night I was driving home from from dinner with a friend and uh I used the phrase restaurant people like 5 or 6 times. Yeah. And you know, kind of pushing my buttons a little bit. He was like, "You know, you talk about restaurant people the way like some people like glorify artists." And I was like, well, yeah, they are because they are
2: absolutely because
1: it is a different type of individual. You know, this this is not for everybody. You know, the same way that I can't I couldn't fathom a cubicle job. You know, and there's a reality that 80 percent of where I am in my career at this point is very behind the scenes, very behind the desk. Um, but you're not, but I'm not you're not, and that's
2: that's kind of the beauty of that,
1: sure, right, but because you know i the ability
2: to still be in that zone to still be in that environment.
1: there are things that, that I talk can't to fewer people think you know I could not wrap my head around working behind a jewelry counter. I could not wrap my head around my desk my my job being a hundred percent behind a desk, and I think a lot of other people couldn't wrap their head around. You know, standing on a hard floor, oh, walking yeah. up and down steps and pacing back and forth around a four hundred seat restaurant if you had to
2: try to describe for to twelve hours a day that they had to come in, they had to physically unload packages and put stuff in cold freezer storage, yeah, and then immediately take a bundle of different vegetables and proteins and cut them down in very specific ways and unique ways for each individual item. All in a matter of a couple hours and yep. then set up the line and then sit there and in front of a hot s- environment for seven, eight hours and yes. then not, you're not done yet. Yeah. Then you got to sit there and scrub clean everything that you had just done and then do it yeah. over and over and over. People think you're absolutely insane. I,
1: I, so I, I left when I was kind of poked at last night and said, you know, you really talk about restaurant people like there's some special group and man, they are like, there's, there's just no two ways about it. That rare combination of psychology, slave labor and algebra <laughs> that you, that you have to, that you have to be at, at weird hours. <laughs> yeah. That you have to be that you just have to love yeah all three of to to be a part of this industry and the way you bond with the people who really care about it, yeah I just you know maybe maybe other people share that bond in other industries, but I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of friends who aren't in this business. Most of my friends are. I think there's a reason for that. Right. Um, but the ones who aren't, they don't share that camaraderie with the people who are in their industry. You know, some of them do.
2: It's 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 rare though. There is. I I think there is a complete difference between being able to talk about your industry with colleagues and immersing yourself in your industry yes. with other people you know yeah and 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 so some of the my some of my most enjoyable moments that whole concept back to what Trevor was saying about having fun there was there was this one concept that I um I had to end up working behind the line we had we had an unfortunate clean out um restructure from ownership all the way down right and um and I was right in the middle of it, and I was kind of charged to bring this thing back to life. Right. And a big part of that was I had to wear all the hats, which is not uncommon for right. people to experience. And I thought at that point in my career that I was a little bit past that. Sure. And so but, – but I actually was I, – I I found a lot of enjoyment – and having to go back to that, right? It, it was yeah. reminding me about a lot of the stuff that I love about the industry. And I ended up creating and and, and surrounding myself by this team that shared that with me, shared that passion with me, right? In, in each of their individual yeah. spaces. And from walking in and talking with uh, talking with the guys on the line while they're prepping... And, and you're like, here, taste this sauce. How good did we make this today, right? right? This was so good. And then the best nights that we had, the absolute best nights that we had, was when we on a very low volume. Now, again, this is mom and pop. This is not something you do at a bigger restaurant. But we would put on Bill Withers' uh, Pandora playlist right. in the kitchen, right? Way different than the music we're playing in the dining room. Yeah. And the tempo and uh, that that his music played, we just had a blast at yeah. our stations, and we were smiling and kind of moving and, and dancing as we cooked, and we didn't even realize seven hours went by. Yeah, and we were still as energized because of all the things that we created. Some of the best dishes, some of the best compliments that we got were during those nights. That fun, that passion. We were following the systems. We were following the recipes. We didn't go... When it came down to brass tacks and doing the night... The way we are supposed to, keeping the guests happy and consistent... Right. Nothing changed. Yeah. But the food was better. The environment was better. Right. The vibe was better. We had fun. It was...
1: It's what keeps you yeah. going. I mean, even now... The bond that I have with the people who I came up in this industry with... Is like... You know, it's uh, it's very band of brothers, right? right? You went through something nobody else. Yeah, you went through something with it, and you know, no matter how far removed I get from, you know, my my days of running the floor or running kitchen are, are pretty far behind me. At the you know, a decade behind me at this point, um, there is, there's still nothing that i like as much as you know just getting on that pass and and running expo there's nothing in nothing in the world so thrilling and so thrilling you know just in the eye of the storm yeah and uh and and, and behind the scenes
2: right yeah even if even an open kitchen people don't really recognize what that 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 person at the pass is doing you know whether it's the chef or not. But yeah, you're behind the scenes technically and, and you're just you're right in the middle yeah, of it that, all and that, it's that is so my much fun.
1: that is my altar my, That's right? my favorite position that term. that is my Absolutely. altar that is where I go to to confess and, yeah. to, <laughs> and to worship and and there's there's just no two ways about it. It infuriates me when when people say things like, well, they can't really do anything else. Let's put them on Expo. That is the most sacred right. spot. Uh, yeah. In in the most sacred thing in the world to me. So don't yeah. put the person who doesn't know there. Put the person who's going to control everything. Um but the bonds that you develop with with your service staff and with your kitchen staff and with your peers and, you know, especially the people that the people that you develop and the people that come up with you. I don't see it replicated in many other places. Mm-mm. And with that, we'll leave you with uh some parting words from Mr. Trevor St. Pierre, one of the best general managers I've ever had the pleasure to work with. And we will uh see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the uh See you next
0: time. Pilot episode. That is my story of how I got into the food industry. Um, and I don't want to say that I got out of the food industry. I want to say that I stepped away from the food industry. Because um, I don't think you ever get out. Um, you know, it's definitely something that holds a very special place in my heart. Um, Matt and Nolan are two guys that I have met at the right times in my life that are wonderful people that have left great impressions. Um, you know, I'm really glad that they reached out to me to talk about this. You know, I was flattered. Um, you know, because both of them, both, both, both of them have taught me a lot. Um, again, not just about food, but about life. Even till to this day. I mean it's 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 you know it's a strong bond and, and that's that is I think my favorite thing about the food industry is the bonds that you make. And I think that you make those bonds a lot better and a lot stronger than you do in a lot of other fields.